Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in uh, Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. Took me a second there. And if you have listened to the podcast before, you know I've talked to people from across the country in every state and D.C., but especially here in my home state of Pennsylvania, where I've had a chance to talk to people at all levels of government, including statewide people like Senator Bob Casey, our former Auditor General, uh, Eugene D. Pasquale, and now I'm excited for another person who represents a state statewide running for Senate this year, oh, well, next year, um, and is our current Lieutenant Governor, John Fetterman. And uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about in our time today. So um, instead of me doing a lot of background, people know who you are. Um, welcome to the podcast, John. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, my podcast is called um, You Should Run. It's uh, the idea being talking to people about when and how, why they they run for office and would want others to run for office too. When have you always been politically minded? Was there something in your family, um, or did something happen in your life where like I need to start paying attention to government and politics? Yeah, I, I wasn't politically minded when I was when I was younger, growing up, and I didn't expect to to have a career in politics necessarily. Mm -hmm. I uh, ended up uh, more in a, a social work track, if you will. And then uh, two of my students uh, were killed uh, in a very violent manner uh, with guns. And I decided at that point uh, to run for mayor. And that's how I ended up uh, entering politics. And I know, because I'm on local council, local government is much different from state government, much different from federal no, government. No, I, I disagree. It's it's often dysfunctional mm -hmm. and they they lose, they lose you lose sight of the bigger picture and and uh, it's there, there's a there's a lot of similarities there. You, you can learn everything you need to know about government in in small town politics. Quite frankly, I, I think it's a very useful uh, lens. Quite frankly, well, and you know that's one thing I like about a candidate like yourself who's coming from local government. There's certain things you learn on a local level that maybe someone who's run for senate or governor the first time doesn't know that you can kind of get that feel locally, right? Yeah, I, I think it's important too, and and uh, uh, you know, for, for me, it's 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 never been about my career. I was I just was speaking to a reporter for the Associated Press, and we were talking about uh, our party's frustration, or you know, I, I use the word disappointment with the current state of affairs, like like minimum wage, for example. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, when I was mayor here, all I wanted was a better community. It wasn't it wasn't anything grounded in anything other than that. And whenever my career was up, I'm okay with that. Um, I, I said this to the reporter. I said, I would, I would be almost, I would be honored if, if my vote was the deciding vote to generate a minimum wage of $15 an hour nationally. And like, if I would gladly trade my career for those kind of, that kind of vote. I mean, that's to me, the reason why I'm in this business is, yeah. is to, to, to make an impactful, um, mark uh, that that helps and makes people's lives practically better. I mean, that's always been my motivation. And uh, uh, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 51, and I used to love going to play Pac-Man in the arcade. Yeah. And, you know, my my political career is a, is the quarter in the machine, and mm -hmm. whenever I run out of lives, I'm okay with that. But I'm always going to continually work and push and advance things that I believe in now that are worth, you know, whether it, it was marriage equality back in 2013. If I had been criminally convicted as as was threatened, that would have I would have been forced to um, I couldn't have held office again, and I would have been like, fine. 
I'm okay with that because it's to me uh, that there's things that are bigger than you are uh, and more important than your career. Yeah, and you well, the thing I was thinking about is because you've been witnessing some rather interesting debates, I guess you could say, in in Harrisburg, and you obviously are paying attention to the yeah. national thing. You know, in a local government, you can see the tangible results, and I imagine Very much great point that you know what that is a, that is an outstanding point. Like I know we know what those kind of debates mean on the ground in our communities. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. So. And you, it gets frustrating when you know what government can do. Like, you know, like we, you can get a, um, a new bridge here. We can get a new trail yeah. here. We can get, um, even local government can do stuff on climate change. And yet you've been dealing with rather insane things like election conspiracies and, yeah. and, uh, the, uh, COVID that, you know, if people just accepted reality. We could get a lot done. It, you, that that's that's one of the most insightful things I'll, I'll hear, and that's exactly right. It's like it's it, it's like on the ground here. It's it's like it's a it's a grant to help you f- fix a blighted property. It's a grant to help you tear down something. It's a, a like you said, a bridge repair or whatever. And it's like these can have transformative impacts, and that's why we we are increasingly, in my opinion, getting away from governance, and it's more and more the professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And and everything national now is 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 on the local level. Like we shouldn't be having national fights on the local level. We should all say, look, we all need our garbage picked up. We all want a better community. We all want X, Y, and Z. Why can't we just leave the professional wrestling to the Sean Hannitys and and MS and all these other types? I, I and uh, but but it's also getting increasingly bizarre. At, at, at the state and other levels too, this idea that that you know elections are rigged and you would be discussing thousands of people storming the Capitol and trying to to, to drive the Congress out of out of their chambers is you know it's it's surreal and I think we've lost the shock value of any one of those things uh, you know after 2020. Yeah, and I. You can't fix that, or at least not easily. I and I know there were some. You you have good people in Harrisburg who are Democrats, good people who are Republicans too, as well. Not all, of course, but you had some that were afraid that they were getting their house firebombed if they didn't go along with conspiracies. Like, yeah. that wasn't no, just some true. rumor. That was in the New York Times. I I don't know one yeah, how you I, deal I with that. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, yeah, great point. I don't know why you would want to be in office if you're constantly afraid that you might be bombed by your own supporters. Well, I, I know which I know who you're referencing, and and I even I even publicly acknowledged that individual is like, yeah, it's it's a thing. I I, I know that the, the quote you're referencing, and and it's it's also true, and and uh, but it's also reality. Like for example, my counterpart in Georgia, uh, my counterpart in Georgia. Um, lost his career mm-hmm. you know it, it, the lieutenant governor in georgia lost his lost his career because he told the truth you know yeah and hopefully things like that don't get worse but one thing that has gotten so one thing that's gotten worse or better is you ran in 2016 uh for senate mm-hmm. i remember the thing i remember about your election in 2016 is i tried to go to one of your events in montgomery county and then there was a big traffic thing and i missed it and i was very sad but um mm-hmm. So you, um, your motivations then are they the same motivations from twenty sixteen? Yeah, identical. You, you know, uh, you could, you could, and we've we've actually 
run like uh, I mean like our, our campaign ads from 2015 mm-hmm. and you know and that, they haven't changed at all at all and, you know but what has changed is where our Democratic Party is right now yeah. you know and I'm proud to say that I've never had to you know evolve on on these issues and say well I was kind of wrong about that or, or whatever um, and and uh, because I've always run on what I know and believe to be true. Now, I'm not saying I'm right, but I, I mean, even though I believe I am, but, but it's what I believe and know to be true. And, and that's, uh, and that's why things haven't changed. And, and, and it, it's not uh, about uh, moving the Overton window. It's mm-hmm. more speaking truths. Uh, and uh, whether it's minimum wage, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's, it's immigration, you name it. I think it's important to, to speak in uh, with integrity and authenticity um, and acknowledge these things. Yeah. I remember following that race then. And um, you know, no one knew it was going to happen, but obviously your expectations for what was going to happen in 2017 when you first ran are a lot different than the reality, right? Like, and then since then you have run for Lieutenant governor, you are Lieutenant governor, you've toured the state. What have you learned that you think has helped you both as a candidate and maybe enlightened you about some issues important to Pennsylvania that maybe you didn't know when you first were inspired to run the first time. But I, it's, I don't think it's a, a sense of what I didn't know, but, but it affirmed to me and I'm actually kind of nostalgic for it in that when I did the 67 County uh, weed tour, mm-hmm. um, I, everybody wanted to talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, and we didn't have any like crazy, like, oh, uh, you know, like, burn the place down kind of arguments. It was all very civil, you know, and, and I would like to think that would still be possible given, you know, the, the division that we have today, but, but it was really, and I don't mean to sound corny, but it was beautiful, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to have a group of people sitting in a room with differing opinions and having a conversation. And we had moments where some people are like, yeah, you know, I didn't think of it that way. And, or like, yeah, no, I mean, I don't agree with that, but I, 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 I hear you. Um, and, and th- there was a reason it was so well attended is because people just wanted to have a conversation. And I wish we could do that. Mm-hmm. I wish we could still do that where it was just like, hey, let's talk about X, Y, and Z. Um, and people could hear wh- what, you know, and, and uh, I think there should be more of that because right now there's far too many of us that are getting our opinions and our talking points and, and we, get, we get dragged into whether it's on social media or, uh, you know, uh, just this idea of fighting for fighting's sake and, instead of just saying, let's figure out what would work in, in a small government, in a small town. What do they need? And mm-hmm. let, let's behave accordingly. That's how I would always approach it. I've, I've tried to approach it. You know, I'm as enthusiastic. There was, there was an economic development project in a community, not unlike mine, but in a very red district with a red, uh, state senator, I, I'm as equally enthusiastic about that project as I would be in one of my own because I know better than anybody what those kind of projects can do for a community like that, mm-hmm. and that's that's what bipartisanship should be. Is like how can we work to make your community better and my community better? Because I, I said this a lot: a, a, a blighted building looks the same in a red county as it does a blue uh, mm-hmm. county. You know, like. We have so many commonalities in Pennsylvania, and if you read the headlines, even up to and including today, it, it just sounds like we're a hopelessly divided mess, and in some cases we are, but that's the tragedy, or it compounds the tragedy, is that we have so many commonalities. I mean, we all are Pennsylvanians. 
and you're very active on social media. I am too. And when I go on, I see my friends from either conservative or liberal, and I have more liberal friends. It sounds like people are just condemned to be miserable when you go online. It's like the world's like there's a lot we should do, but the world's not that bad. It's not. It's not at all. And and that's the thing. It, it's like social media is a is is a necessary tool if you're going to run for office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, but at the end of the day, it's also not reality too. And I've always tried to have a policy that I wouldn't say anything on social media that I wouldn't say to you in person. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, this idea that we all should remember that there are are real people attached to these accounts and, and it it just, it doesn't, uh, like, I thought I read an article recently that Twitter was exploring a a filter that if it, if it screens like words or profanity, it'll ask you, are you sure you want to say this? And I, I don't know if that was true or not, but if, but I think that would be good. It's like something asking you like, Hey, do you really want to, mm-hmm. um, I think, I don't think that's a bad idea because I don't want us to get into a, an, an increasingly vicious cycle of, of who can get the most likes being the most, cruel or cutting or whatever, you know? And, um, it, it's like, uh, the medium lends itself well and it rewards that kind of behavior. But I don't think, I don't think anyone's been ever persuaded, um, through that medium, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know many people that have, and it's, it's hard to persuade people. Um, now in 2018, you and Tom Wolf, you won big, uh, Senator Casey won big, and I, when I talked to Senator Casey for the podcast um, right before the pandemic, so in the normal times, I guess, um, I asked him, like, when you ran, you were asked to run because you could win big. You were, like, the most electable person. And you may be the most electable person. Do you see your chance as being the most electable or the best candidate? Do you see a difference there? I, 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 I only see myself as, a, as someone who's been consistently invested and promoting uh, and and implementing the, the, these kind of core values. I've mm-hmm. been doing this for 20 years in, in, in uh, my home of Braddock. And, you know, 25 years ago, I was setting up computer labs in, in Pittsburgh's Hill District teaching GED classes with mm-hmm. an MBA. I mean, these are values that I've always embraced in my working career. And I, I am not in a business of saying I'm the best candidate. That's that's the voter's job to, to decide who they think is the best candidate. I, I'm simply here to represent my values, my record, uh, what I would hope to accomplish as 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 a, as a senator, and let voters decide that. I mean, if you ask Wendy's who has the best chicken sandwich, I think they're probably going to say Wendy's or whatever. So, I, I you know, I don't think my opinion of of myself really is is relevant. I think what is relevant is my record and discussing the things that I've done and the things that I believe in. And I've always consistently advocated. Well, the, the thing I was thinking though, is uh, to me, politics is almost like, Oh, not a, I don't say a war because I want people to work together, but you, we need to win, right? We, you know how important your race yeah. is. If like if Pennsylvania is the most flippable district in 2022, you could be the 51st vote or the 49th. If other things flip the other direction, um, so we need the candidate that's going to win that race, right? Like th- there's a lot of pressure on anyone's shoulders to be the candidate who's not just, well, they're the Democrat on the ballot, but they're the Democrat that can win. 
the, the pressure the pressure is all on the voters of Pennsylvania. Actually, you know, I'm honored to to be a candidate, and I'm honored to receive anyone's support. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's it'll be Pennsylvanians that'll will, will choose that. And and I, as I said, I, I'm I'm here simply to offer my record and my candidacy as as an option. And uh, hopefully that resonates. But if it doesn't, it, it's not going to be from a lack of sincerity or authenticity on my views. It's just going to be uh, that that people in Pennsylvania might feel differently. But but um, uh, but the race has gone really well so far. I mean, we've we've uh, things are going well. But but for me, it's the cause, not the candidate. And um, I'm I'm honored to just be a part of it. Well, I, I assume part of the reason you're able to do well so far is people know you. You're, you are very visible. Um, you have promoted, you know, you have an image both physically and in terms of your issues. My friend saw you in King of Prussia at the Wawa parking lot and and you put the, you oh, post a picture. Yeah. Like, I remember it. Yeah. yeah so um, people were, <laughs> people, people were giving me grief. They're like, oh, hey, Sheets guy, what are you doing here? And, uh, um, but uh, yeah, that's when I met my first pork roll sizzly. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that that talk about bipartisanship there, <laughs> bringing Pennsylvania together. I, uh, but, uh, but 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 seriously, yeah. I mean, it may, that might be true. I mean, I'm hard to miss. I mean, you know, looking at me and everything. But but um, you know, from for me, this race is going to be a positive. I mm-hmm. mean, like I, I don't believe in scorched earth. I don't believe going after Democrats. Uh, you know, that only strengthens. Um, Republicans, quite frankly, and no matter who gets in this race, um, I think it's, you know, my benchmark is Pat Toomey. And if, if a Democrat gets in this race, I can't imagine, I know a single Democrat that doesn't compare incredibly well with Pat Toomey. So that's, that's a person that was going to make already a quantum improvement over the current, uh, and outgoing, uh, Senator. So, well, I'm, you know, how do you convince voters? You you really talked about it so far because you're really focused on cause more than anything else that you've been consistent on. But how do you um, convince Democrats or Republicans that you're not just another pretty face? That you're not just you know, like <laughs> yeah. everyone recognizes how you look, but you've got to get past that to an extent for for voters to to learn more, right? Not not my job to convince them. It, it's my job to talk to them, and then they 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 decide what they they want to do uh, with it. Quite frankly. I have a lot to say. I have a lot to talk about. Um, I have a, I have an expansive history of caring about issues and communities and people that you know that weren't on really anyone's radar screen, you know, but are very much front center. You know, like I'm the four-term mayor of a of an overwhelmingly back uh, overwhelmingly black town, and and uh, that certainly wasn't you know considered normal. Uh, a normal pursuit when I gra- I finished grad school back in 99 and, and it certainly um, wasn't for many years after that, quite frankly, you know, for, for the Democratic Party. But um, where I'm at now is what I've always believed to be true. And uh, I think we're in a very unique time in this country's history. I think things had gone so far uh, sideways that um, it, it really needs to be about it's not about you. It's not about your career. It's like if you have an opportunity to cast that 51st vote to give living wage or to uh, pass the John Lewis uh, Voting Act or any of these like massively important generationally generational kind of bills, you got to lean in. Mm-hmm. And, and if that costs you your seat or your career, then so be it. I mean, like I said, I would 
I would gladly sacrifice my political career for any one of these massive bills that that have been thwarted thus far by the the political will or lack thereof of of just a few small handful of people. Well, now that's important, but you're not just the you're talking about like the benchmark of zero versus Democrat, I guess, like an even line. And um, but the alternative is getting very scary. The one of the candidates who may be the Republican nominee for governor in Pennsylvania was right there in the line of fire, maybe literally at the insurrection in D.C. One of my neighbors was there. And I really wish he was caught on camera by the FBI so I could, you know, because he worries me, that kind of connection. Um, what do, you know, how important, one, is that governor's race? And not only that, but you're not just like, well, it's me or a moderate Republican. The, the difference could be the Democrat or someone who is yeah. to the right of Tommy Tuberville. Like, they could be, who knows? Well, I... I... I feel very confident about our chances with governor uh, in 22. Uh, I, so I, I think that uh, the, the, the GOP primary for governor is going to be uh, very, very disorganized and very, very noisy and very, very draining for their party. And, and uh, I think we'll have a very strong candidate that, that will be well-resourced and, and in a strong position to, to keep the, the governor's uh, office in, in Democratic hands. And you've seen firsthand, because you've really, thankfully, I think, been a partner. Um, you mentioned pro wrestling. There's that meme of you and Tom Wolf as a pro wrestling yeah. manager and thing. Um, so you've seen it firsthand. What is, it's not just about having a Democrat. It's really having someone that takes governing seriously in that respect. Well, sure, definitely. That, that's absolutely true. I mean, there's a difference between politics and governance. And, and that line has been blurred and it needs to get unblurred. You know, it's, it's, it's not about what you watch on Fox news or MSNBC. It's about, you know, how does the things we do and say and laws we pass affect the lives of people in your community or mine. And I, I never forget that, yeah. you know? And uh, so from, from my perspective, um, it, it's not sexy. It's not like must see TV, but Government, government shouldn't be that. And, and it's increasingly more and more. It's how loud are you? How controversial you are? Uh, you know, like it's, it's really kind of, it's, it's, it's very unfortunate. But there's also a very good and important time to stand up for things that are very critical, like, like living wage, for example. I mean, that's not professional wrestling. I mean, that's math. And that, those are things that affects millions of people, too. You know? Um, so... Um, but, but everything has become national now. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, and that's dangerous and unhelpful because at the end of the day, um, you know, life in, in your community, uh, requires a leadership to be mature, to be collaborative and to understand that it really is about the greater good. It is frustrating. And I'm sure you feel that from Braddock. Um, when I go and people talk about national issues or big con cultural things, it's like that has nothing to do with anything I'm going to vote on yeah. as a council member. Um, I need to get past that. And um, I, I guess weed, in a way, marijuana legalization, which seems across all parties, is a, an issue where you can maybe get past that wall. Absolutely. I, I, I called legal weed the ultimate bazooka that neither campaign would touch in the presidential election. I, I talk to Republicans and Trump voters, or they talk to me, I should say. They'll run into me or whatever, and 
because I'm recognizable, they'll be like, hey, man, when's that shit going to happen? When is it? What's the mm-hmm. hold up? And I'm like, well, it's actually the Republicans. And they're like, man, that's ridiculous. We need, you know, uh, you know, so many people are so ready for, for, for legal weed. It's, it's one of those issues in an era where we are desperate for bipartisanship. That should be one of them. And, and um, uh, it, it's, it's such an important public policy level uh, lever, too, um, because uh, the resources it would generate. I mean, think of the resources that it would generate that could help your community or my community. Or, it, you know, it, it's, it's just something that both parties want. Obviously, more Democrats than Republicans do. But, but uh, I don't consider myself a Democrat or Republican in that context. I don't use marijuana. I haven't really at all, ever. So, so it's it's not for my own benefit. It's not like I have a dog in that fight. It's it's back to what I said earlier. Back to what I said earlier about being for the greater good, and and the greater good is allowing adults to participate safely and in a regulated and taxed way in things that you may not necessarily embrace, whether it's alcohol, gambling, tobacco, or or marijuana, uh, safely, so it can benefit the greater good. So the greater good also involves people running for office to flip majorities, whether it's in Harrisburg or Washington, D.C. You're doing that for the Senate. Um, you don't need to encourage more people to run for the Pennsylvania Senate. That's for sure. Um, but, I, I, but no, but, but I mean, I, I know that was kind of a joke, but it's like I, I would be happy if whoever gets in this race. Like, that, that's the thing. Like, this isn't this. This to me is not my manifest destiny. Like, and that's what I've always tried to emphasize is that that I, I'm a big believer in, in, in democracy and, and the wisdom of, of, of democracy. Oh, yeah. So, I, I'm not arguing that. I just mean that we also have a ton of other local elections. And you have seen the, uh, the impact of federal government from the things you've seen there, the, the impact of state legislatures and the impact locally. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. for the next couple years, um, next year especially, People might be thinking, well, Joe Biden's won. I don't need to worry about it. Or there's oh, too man, much gerrymandering. Why should I run? Why should not only should people run, but why should they be recruiting like the best person they know to run and, and encouraging them, um, especially more diverse people? We, we don't have, we, you know, Pennsylvania's never sure. been good at electing women to a majority of things. Like, what should we do to encourage people to run for office in 2022? Well, I, I try to be a good example, you know, and that's that's the thing. I uh, I would encourage anybody that wants to run to, to stick with it and don't be discouraged. Don't get cynical um, and just understand that, you know, that's the, the spirit of what makes this country great is this idea that you can run for something. You don't need to be from a political family or a dynasty to run for something. Mm-hmm. And some of the most impressive candidates that I meet are those that have a very a relatively low chance of actually winning and they're in hopelessly red districts and are, are in a hopelessly red County, but still they're out there doing it. And I have such respect for that, but what they may not realize, and, and I always go out of my way to make sure they do is, is that they bring out and engage voters mm-hmm. and margins across Pennsylvania are what allows Democrats to win Pennsylvania. If, if you have a, a great fire, you know, Cracker Jack, you know, candidate going for it in a district that's strongly red, guess what? You're going to bring out a lot more Democratic votes if you just roll over and say, well, it's not worth it or whatever. I mean, like, it's a team so sport. Critical. Yeah. yeah, it's so critical. And, and I they're, noticed they're the unsung heroes. I noticed so, that with uh, Bob Casey's map last year, 
um, as they were counting the votes in Pennsylvania. And I'm sure you, because you were so involved in the yeah. election issue, yeah. you noticed that, that like, it's, we can't just put all our eggs in Philadelphia and the suburbs and no, in no, yeah. Scranton and in Pittsburgh. Those margins where Hillary Clinton got 30% in a county, now she's now belt, Joe Biden got 35%. That's what won Joe Biden the state, not Philadelphia. 100%. Yeah, that's it. That's it. it it's, it's the... Uh... Uh, this idea that, that you know those margins mean everything you know like there's there's 67 counties in Pennsylvania and i would say conservatively uh, 55 of them are red you know if you may if you get an extra 2 3000 votes out of all of them that's that's the difference between winning and losing mm-hmm. you know I mean, uh, you know, whether it's Donald Trump of 45,000 votes or Joe Biden by 80,000. I mean, it's a game of margins. And it all comes down to those red counties. And, you know, people foolishly say, ah, well, Potter County, it's small. It's not a lot of votes. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, times 55, there are a lot of votes. And that can mean the difference. And also, there's a moral imperative to not ignore people uh, in places and whole regions simply because they may not necessarily, uh, you know, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is the color of the county is irrelevant. It's the margins within that color that mean everything in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and uh, having been here in the Philadelphia suburbs for uh, many years, there are some districts here that people figured were gerrymandered for Republicans forever, and now there's no, it's more a safe Democratic seat now in some of these areas. So, you know, don't take anything for granted now that 10 years down the road would be very different. Bingo. I mean, you, you keep you keep dropping the greatest hits. I mean, that's absolutely true. You know, a red area today could be a purple area tomorrow and a blue area next week. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you know, you've seen that happen time and time again. But also, also the opposite is also true that uh, a strong blue hold could be a purple one and then a red one, too. We've lost counties, too. Mm-hmm. So it, it, if you're not having this conversation with all 67 counties, you are doing yourself a disservice, but more importantly, you are doing the people that you represented disservice. And not only that, as Democrats or Republicans on the inverse, considering the issues like minimum wage, health care, and all these things, you're doing the people a disservice if you're not if you're taking things for granted. Because if you lose, bad things can happen. I agree. I agree, and and that's 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 so critical. And and like I said earlier in this podcast. The commonalities that we share far outweigh, you know, the, the differences and the difference then at a level that really doesn't impact our day to day. And I think we I just wish we could get past that. Well, I think we can. I am very optimistic and I'm more optimistic every day. Um, it's annoying my friends and family sometimes, but I'm full of optimism these days. Um, and I wish you the best of luck. I wish Pennsylvania the best of luck. I think everyone knows this, but if people want to follow you on Twitter, how do they go to follow you? <laughs> uh, just I'm just John Fetterman on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, thank you for having me on. And uh, it was a really good conversation. And I really say this in, with absolute sincerity. You said a lot of very critical and insightful things that this that are, are truths in, in, in Pennsylvania politics. And and uh, I think that was all from a smaller town perspective. And I, and I, it really affirms to me that um, understanding the way things are on the ground is, is the best way to be the most effective uh, kind of elected official. So 
Thank you. I, I, it's always great to have a good conversation, and uh, I, I'm very grateful to have been a part of it today. Great. I appreciate it, and I think we both will agree with this. It's it's really an honor to represent anybody in government and to serve you. Knowing that you can help somebody, and even if you don't get any credit for it, it means uh, it means a lot right here in your heart. Damn right. You said it great. Thank you. Have a good day and good luck. Bye.